the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Throughout the book of Job, Job's friends tend to miss the mark a bit. Oh, they get it right once in a while. But it's not until Elihu comes along and really shines. He is God's man for the hour, as we'll see next. And again, greetings, welcome, this is Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner takes us back to Job chapter 35 once again as Elihu continues his discourse with Job. It is a look at God's righteousness through and through. And today we take a look at God and man in perspective and how God's righteousness is desperately needed for man who is unrighteous. Join us for a very insightful look into the predicament of Job from God's eyes using a man named Elihu. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Brothers and sisters, the godliest men, women, and young people, while saying, yes, God governs the world, can easily, when they are the ones being sifted or are suffering or lose a loved one, Or when God exposes their pride and shows them their true self, and it is painful, they can easily forget, wait a minute, God doesn't just govern the world, He governs me. We are real pious when it comes to other people's lives and other people's problems and other people's sufferings. But when I'm the one, or you are, your family, your spouse, your parents. When we are the one afflicted and God's hand touches us, boy, we need to especially remember, God is ruling over this. He is righteous in all of His ways. We may not understand it, but that will help us when we are afflicted to remember, no one is ever afflicted on justly. God is never harsher than he needs to be. He is in the midst of the trouble he brings into our life, and the burden is never heavier than he knows what is best for each one of us. And he will give a certain buoyancy in our afflictions. So we remember God is ruling my life specifically in righteousness, in goodness, in holiness, and in love. Because he is my father. And then, of course, when we are blessed, we won't think, well, come on, God, I've been needing blessing this whole time. No. No, we will say, I don't deserve to be blessed. I'm never afflicted as much as I deserve. It gives a subtleness to our lives. It doesn't mean that we are bricks and rocks. It doesn't mean we won't cry. We certainly will. But we always need to remember, God governs the world and he governs me. 
Elihu opens up this chapter and he says in verses 1 through 4, I'm speaking for God. That's quite a bold claim for a young man. But I don't think he has forgotten his humility. But interesting there, he says, I am speaking on behalf of God, verse 2, and yet he still asks for their indulgence. Hey, suffer me a little, guys. I have more to say. He's not like a lot of people who, when they gain the floor, they get all full of themselves. Elihu knows that his audience is normally wiser than he is, and they are certainly older. So he is definitely remembering his place, but he says he is going to fetch his knowledge from afar. Verse 3. Now, what is this knowledge from afar that he's going to fetch? Notice, righteousness for my maker. Boy, is this important. We tend to look at everything that happens from our perspective. You just fill your mind with your own desire, your perspective, how I feel about this, what this will mean for me, how will this impact me, how this makes me feel. Well, that was kind of Job's problem, wasn't it? As godly as he was, he had left off this. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I was great at the beginning of all of this. But his faith was wavering. He was struggling. And now he's only looking at things as, well, God, what are, what are you doing? You've seen how godly I've been and righteous. And I've trusted you. And I've offered sacrifices. And now you're afflicting me. I, I don't understand. And because I don't understand, that must mean there is something wrong with your plan. You know, one of the things that we can always tell if someone speaks to us and is, is really from God is if they talk to us from God's perspective. In other words, if they are mostly concerned with His righteousness, that His will is being done in our lives and in the world, and they encourage us to look at our issues or problems or children or marriages or finances, life in this world, witnessing the gospel, whatever the issue may be, from what is God's perspective on this matter. How can we look at this from God's perspective? What does he think about me? By the way, this also helps you young folks here to be humble early in life, which will be a blessing to you. And more than I can tell you now, rather than later in life, to say, I don't need to look at my life in terms of where I want to go and who I want to be with and what I want to do and what I want to say. If I just look at it from what do I want to do, I'm bound to get into all kinds of trouble. And worst of all, I will get in the worst trouble of all, which is to be prideful and to teach my heart that my life is about what I want to do and how I feel, rather than saying, you know what? I need to go get the righteousness from afar, like Elihu talks about here. 
I need to remember that my maker is righteous and that he governs my life according to his will. And my happiness and my peace is to look at life from his perspective. By the way, this also helps us when we're called upon God to comfort other people when they're suffering. On the one hand, we can commit the air of Job's three friends. Job, you're suffering. You must be wicked. So we can be too hard, but on the other hand, we can be too easy because we can see the tears and we think to ourselves, okay, this is a poor soul and we want to give pity. But the biggest pity we need to give as we learn from this chapter is to be reminded that God is righteous because if we don't find security there, we will not find security at all. Please take this in. Please think about this. You are not going to find security in people patting you on the back and saying, you know what? You're a good person. Everybody loves you. You know, it's, all, it's like we all want to be like our dogs. Just scratch my ears all the time. And rub my belly and tell me everything is good. Instead of realizing I'm a human being, I'm not a pet, I'm made in God's image. And what I really need to be reminded of is my life is not ruled by me. It is ruled by God and my security lies in Him and remembering He is my Father through the Lord Jesus Christ And therefore, I can trust him that he is going to do what is best and right by me. Sadly, though, most of us prefer morphine. We prefer to have the pain dulled instead of having God tell us the truth, which can be unnerving. It is unnerving in those times in our life when we are suffering. And if you are a believer, you know what I'm talking about where God comes to you in His Word through a sermon, as you were praying and seeking Him, and He teaches your heart a very deep way. I'm God, you're not. And He didn't necessarily give you answers to what you were going through, but it was a deep conviction that the one eternal God whom heaven and earth adores is your Maker. And it puts you in your place. And when you are put in your place, you suddenly breathe a sigh of relief. Because when we try to live as if we rule the world, it's like spiritual vertigo. Everything is upside down. And it's spinning. Instead of saying, our peace and our security is to remember God doesn't rule generally. He doesn't just rule those people over there. He rules me. So my security and my safety is to pray every day, Lord, teach me your ways. Lord, hold my footsteps on your path so that I don't slip. Lord, my soul fainteth for thy salvation and for the word of your righteousness. Deal with thy servant according to thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. These lines in scripture can do what? They remind us that our security 
is in God's government of our lives and in his wisdom, and it comes through his word. Now in verses 5 through 15, Elihu gives several examples of God's good and righteous government. Some of these are kinds of sentiments that we've already encountered in Job. He reminds Job in verse 5, hey, listen, God is mighty, Job, and he does not despise anyone. Now, you can probably hear Job here saying, well, God certainly hates me. In fact, I wish I were dead. Why was I born? Elihu reminds him, even though God is exalted, yet Job, he won't despise your cry if you call upon him. You need to remember who you are calling upon. And why do you want to sue God, Job? It is because you think you are being treated unfairly. That is not the way to draw near to him as he called you to. He says you need to remember, as he says in verse 5, he is mighty. He is omnipotent in strength and in wisdom. I ask you, beloved, does that comfort you? None of us know what this week is going to bring in our lives or next week or next year. But yet, isn't it a comfort to know that the living God is mighty? Not only in the strength that upholds us, but in the wisdom that guides us. He knows where we need to cry today so that we can be joyful for him tomorrow. He, need, he knows what we need to go through today so that we can be ready to serve him in the next phase of our life. He knows where we need to be humble today so that we can be raised up later. So Elihu says at the outset, Job, remember that God is mighty. He is mighty in strength to uphold you. So call on him. He doesn't despise you, Job. Now listen to me. And this is really a lot like us here. Job, the only reason you think he despises you is because you don't understand what he is doing in your life. That's the only reason. Before all of this happened, Job, you didn't think he despised you. But now because he has brought this into your life and you don't understand, you think you're being mistreated. Well, who are you? You're not God. You're not the Almighty. You're not the one who understands everything down to the sub, 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 sub atomic level of life. All of his creatures, all of our meanderings. Every one of us who heard the gospel, God himself brought someone into our lives to share the gospel and someone in their lives and back and back and back all the way back to the apostles. What a plan. It is so intricate, so untraceable to us, and yet God sees it all before when there was no pastor present. He sees everything in one eternal gaze of wisdom, and he controls it all by his power. Elihu says, Job, call upon him. In verse 6, he says, God is not going to preserve the life of wicked men. Job, don't think that just because he is treating you more roughly than you think he should, that somehow the wicked are going to get away with all of their wickedness. God cares for the poor. Verse 7, he never withdraws his eyes from the righteous. 
The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Hold on to that. Isn't that an encouragement for us? Wherever I go, if I am seeking the Lord and I am humble before Him and I believe on the Redeemer of God's elect, Jesus Christ, God never, never, never takes His eyes off of me. He never goes to sleep. He who keeps Israel neither slumbers or sleeps. He is closer to us than our own shadow because he dwells within us and he is the mighty one. So Elihu says, Job, God hasn't changed. You've changed, but not God. He knows all of your ways. Beloved, truly, let that be an encouragement to you. Now, it's also a little trembly. He always sees your ways. The Lord never withdraws his eyes from the righteous. Behold the children of men. This really should be an encouragement to us, though, particularly today. You know, we look out at the church in this country, and it looks like it's a minority. And it's not getting any friendlier here for Christians, and who knows what the future holds. But on the other hand, Christians can look at it and say, it really doesn't matter. Because God is looking at his people, and he never takes his eyes off of us, and he is always taking care of us. He doesn't know the wicked like that. Remember Psalm 1? The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. The way of the ungodly are not so. They are like chaff, the dust from the wheat when it is shaken out and the wind drives it away. So don't be afraid, beloved. Elihu says in the last part of verse 7, in the following verse, even kings, even rulers, God is the one who puts them on the throne. If they fall into a season, verses 8 and 9, where their reign comes into trouble, he may show them their work and where they have sinned against him. And then God is able to open their ears to discipline, verse 10, and command them to return to him. In verse 11, if they do obey him, they will end their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. But if they do not obey, they will perish by the sword. Now this is said as an example of God's good and righteous government. But this also gives us stability in this world. There are all kinds of agitations. You know, if we don't get the right guy elected, if we don't get our preferred king, it's just the end of the world as we know it. At least that's what we usually think. We've got to be careful that we don't confuse the ballot box with the throne of God. Because there is a vast, vast difference between the ballot box and the throne of God. Now, the Lord does control the ballot box. But just because ungodly kings are on the throne or ungodly rulers are in office, that doesn't mean that God has abandoned his righteous rule in government. Psalm 17 says that wicked rulers are God's sword to punish his enemy and to chasten his church. 
There's a lot of comfort for us in this and also a lot of stability. There's a lot of talk today that I saw the marriage is legalized. Oh, no, it's the end of the world. But the church does not get its fear orders from what ungodly men do. The church will be just fine. Oh, she may be persecuted. She may get get need to get comfortable with being challenged for her stand for Christ. But God is the one who builds the church and he destroys the city of man. So we need to remember that God is righteous and rules over kings and calls upon those kings. As it says here in verse 10, to submit to the rule of Christ. And as verse 11 says, and repent and turn to the Lord because it is the only way God will bless their reign. Otherwise, he will destroy them. This is a very needful lesson as we just celebrated Memorial Day a couple of weeks ago. Now, I know we're supposed to join in the parades and vet the veterans. But for me, Memorial Day has become a bloody day. Because I think of all the tens of millions that were sacrificed on the altar of Americans' hubris and pride. But I don't get bitter about it. Because I know exactly what Elihu says here. God rules kings, governors, and congressmen. Their hearts are in his hands and he turns them wherever he wants them to go. Hypocrites, on the other hand, verse 13, he says, They are heaping up wrath, Job. So don't be like them. He says, they don't cry when God binds them. They are insensible to what God is doing. And they die in their youth. They live among the unclean and he delivers the poor in their affliction. You know, this is very much like Asaph who will later struggle with this in Psalm 73. He says, Lord, these ungodly people don't seem to have nearly the troubles that we do. And I have been envious of them until I went into the house of God and I saw his majesty. And then I understood that God had set them in slippery places. Now, in terms of all these verses, Elihu's wisdom in verses 5 through 15, it's almost the opposite of what passes for wisdom today. There are all kinds of attempts to humanize God to Bring him down to our level so that he conforms to our expectations. Let's do things like change doctrine. Let's change our worship. Let's change things to make them more palatable to unbelievers. Counseling focuses on feelings and how I need to respond to these things and try to overcome God's painful feelings toward me. But see, this is the opposite of what we need to hear. Listen. The reason Elihu brings forward these examples of God's good and righteous government is to remind us that God does not rule all of the world to make our lives comfortable. He does not rule over the world to make everything go as I want it to go. But to lead us to seek our good and our peace and our stability in Him, in His wisdom and in His power. And that means God will test us. As his children. And he will discipline us. And when he does. It doesn't mean something's wrong. 
Isn't that encouraging? But Job was like, I'm going through all of this stuff. Something must be wrong. Something is wrong with God's governing of the universe. There are some injustices here. God, let me come to you and plead my case. And Elihu says, nothing's wrong, Job. Here is this young man who basically says, Job, settle down. Just calm down. There's nothing wrong. Granted, Job, I don't exactly know why God has brought this into your life, but I don't have to, and neither do you. All you need to know is that God governs your life in righteousness, and we need to trust Him. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.